Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Oh, so much unintelligible banter that we have going on, don't we? I mean, <laughs> so it's, it's almost like. I don't know. Gibberish. Maybe. Most of the time. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe yeah. we should have a gibberish warning. You know, like with a spoiler alert, we should have like gibberish alert. <laughs> Incoming gibberish. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we should. I don't know. We'll have we'll have too many warnings, I think, in this show. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have to have oh, a Carly well. moves her headset, like, alert as well. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody can hear that coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because I'm going to do it now. Hold on. Surprisingly, didn't hear anything. <laughs> Did you not hear it? Did you not hear, my, hear me gulp my coffee? No, no. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did notice that I'm I'm constantly like... <gasps> <laughs> like breathing as I talk. <laughs> like, there needs to be an automatic breath removal tool. <clears throat> but, it probably uh, so is. How you just been? don't know where yeah. it is. Right. <laughs> um, cold. 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 Is it cold out there? Yeah. Oh, we've got like, we're on our third storm. I've lost track now. One of them, I think, was called Eugene, Storm Eugene. This one, I think, begins with an F. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but there's a lot of rain. Oh, man. So just keep on, you know, naming them till you run out of names, I guess, huh? Yeah, but they're all boring names. <laughs> it's like if I was going to name a storm, it'd be like Storm Thunderbolt. Boo! <laughs> not Storm Nicole. I don't know. I think Storm Nicole would be a little less threatening than, would you say Thunderbolt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thunderdome, Thunderbolts, Thunder something. I, I think I'd be moving underground. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, the weather warning would mean something then, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess it would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. So does it snow where you're at or is it just rain? It's just rain. Mm, okay. All right. Well, and I'm really annoyed because there's rubbish in my garden and it looks like I've put the rubbish there and I haven't. We've got like milkshake bottles, we've got like sausage roll packets and all sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, the wind's a bitch. We get that too. I don't know why. It seems like we're the only house in the neighborhood where trash like blows into. I think people yes. are just like throwing it over into our yard. <laughs> it's so yes. weird. We are the same, and it doesn't help that we've got a Christmas tree that we were supposed to move that's <laughs> fell over, so that's sprawled across the front. And then there's just, like, sausage roll wrappers everywhere. <laughs> that's funny. Because we don't want, like, good neighbours. I also have a Christmas tree sitting on the side of my yard. <laughs> Do you? 
<laughs> oh my god, we were so bad. One year, I don't think we took it down to like uh, July. Until it shriveled up. Think that's dead. Only let's take that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you touched it, and all the pine needles fell off. It was crazy. It was so, so brittle. <laughs> Oh, thank God. I, I, yeah, I'm not a Christmas person, but <clears throat> anyway. Um, so uh, let's see, Carly. Tonight's tonight's drink um, is called Something Sinister. Oh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and Something Sinister's ingredients are two ounces of St. George green chili vodka. Ew. And, one ounce of lime juice, three quarter ounce of real mango puree, and a lemon peel for garnish. And this looks like this looks like a, um, like Nickelodeon slime. Ew. <laughs> so, it's, it's very green and it looks like thick slimy goo. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I had. Yeah, kind of, but not uh, translucent, right? Uh, so, so uh, do you, you know who He Man is? You, you remember He Man, yeah. the cartoon? Okay, so, so when I was a kid, right in the '80s, like I had this He Man castle that came with like this green slime for like the this little moat thing inside the castle where you could like kill Skeletor, and it came with like this nasty green slime that would just dry and look like dried snot all over the place. But that's what Ew. this drink looks like. <laughs> Yeah, right. Why? Why would anybody want to want to consume that? Oh, it looks like snot. Cheers. Right? That's what it looks like. Garnish with the pretty little lemon peel. Ew. Well, that's kind of, you know, I thought it went pretty well with the movie for tonight because, you know, it's it's a very uh, underbelly world kind of film with a lot of dark grossness to it and that's just kind of what this drink makes me think of so um everyone at home uh let's see if you can uh stomach the something sinister drink and uh check out tonight's trailer Questions you will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth. Absolute truth. I can do that. Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lie down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. 
given you a fortune. It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. That was the trailer for the 2021 film Nightmare Alley, directed by Guillermo del Toro from a screenplay by del Toro and Kim Morgan. And it was based on the 1946 novel of the same name by William Lindsay Gresham, not to be confused as a reboot. Uh, This movie is a new adaptation of the source material. Um, It is the second feature film adaptation of the novel following the 1947 version, A Nightmare Alley, which we discussed last week. Um, It's a co-production between Searchlight Pictures, TSG Entertainment, and Double Dare You Productions. Speaking of Nickelodeon, (laughs) I don't think there's any relation there, but um, it stars Bradley Cooper uh, as a carnival worker with a mysterious past. Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, uh, Willem Dafoe, not William Dafoe, as people like to say, uh, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steinberg, and David Strathern. Um, Carly, getting into this movie, having have you did you watch the original uh, forty seven film first, or had you seen uh, this new version? And have you read the book? Uh-huh. I haven't read the book, and I watched the original first, then watched this. Okay. So experiencing it in that order, like what did what did you think of of Del Toro's adaption of the book? I preferred it a lot more. Mm. Did you really? Why? Mm. Yeah, I did. I did. Because the bits where, because my issue originally with the film was that the bits that weren't in the carnival weren't interesting to me. But it didn't grip me as much because it felt neat, like felt like a completely different change of pace. But with this one, I actually liked them in equal measure because it didn't. I quite liked the little, oh, kind of like the little heisty thing that he had going on. It felt more like dangerous, and he felt more like he was. I don't know. Just I really. It might be to do with with the scenes as well. The scenes didn't seem long, and these like when he was doing his psychic moments, they were impressive. Each scene hmm. was impressive, not monotonous. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I I didn't feel the same way as you at all. Oh. Yeah, not in the least. But can I tell you my synopsis? Because I think you're gonna like it. Yeah, I guess I guess we should probably do the synopsis. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna like it after. I mean, maybe you won't. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I don't think I will. <laughs> No, actually, I always like your synopsis, so by all means. And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. The Green Goblin starts a torture academy. (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Ah, That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Bring out the geek. (laughs) 
Moving on the geek. Teaser the geek. Stop feeding the geek. Fire to the geek. I mean, it was a little bit more extreme. <laughs> if he'd have suited up on a glider, I would not have been surprised, to be honest. <laughs> now, now, is your first experience with, uh, with him from uh, Spider-Man? No. Speed 2. No. Speed 2. Okay, what you hate Speed 2 movie, Cruise right? Control, where he's being a lunatic on a boat. <laughs> I completely forgot he was in, in that movie. <laughs> his eyes were so wide. I remember seeing the trailer thinking, why were his eyes so wide? <laughs> now I know. <laughs> yeah. He's a great actor, though. He's, 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 I like him. Man. Yeah. I like him. Um, he was definitely perfect for the Green Goblin. Yes. <clears throat> um, and did you see the new, uh, the new Spider Man movie? Yes, I did. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Marvel tried was... to fox me, but I I saw their clue in their trailer. They tried to fox me. No, no, no. I see the glove. <laughs> I see what's going on there. Oh yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't follow the Marvel world too too close, so I just sort well, of I, I just kind of like had a feeling it was going to be a um you know uh, a Spider Verse thing. But, uh, well. They tried to tell me that Andrew Garfield was not there. Well, I know mm-hmm. I know Andrew Garfield's there because I can sense it because I like Andrew Garfield and I know where he is. And his hand's yeah, there. Yeah, I couldn't really care less about him. I really was hoping Tobey Maguire was going to be in it. I mean, he was boring, so ah, don't care. Okay. <laughs> yep. I can sniff Andrew Garfield out in a film within two minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, Andrew Garfield might not be happy about that, but I, I usually can too. And those are the movies that I stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hard. I'm going to round up my posse of Andrew Garfield fans. There's lots of them now all of a sudden. Are, are there really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're all coming out of the woodwork. I've always loved Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. No, you didn't. You hate it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I mean, he's, he's okay. I liked, uh, what was that movie? Was he in Fury? Yeah. That, I like the war, the war one. Movie I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Paxton. Ridge? I don't know. Hacksaw Ridge? No, no, no. Is Hacksaw Ridge? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Wasn't that? Isn't, <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Wait, I'm, I don't watch war. <laughs> I, I think maybe I was thinking of Heartbreak Ridge. That was uh, Clint Eastwood. Hacksaw Ridge is a newer film. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. But um, he's okay. Like, I don't I don't have a problem with him. But uh, yeah, I think Tobey Maguire, Maguire was my favorite Spider-Man. I think he, he felt old enough for the role. And mm. still had that sort of boyish, like Spider-Man charm from the comics. Like I, I really felt like he was a perfect fit as to where like um, Garfield was, I don't know, just kind of bland for me. And I, I don't know. And it was kind of rehashing stuff that we've already seen. Yeah. It wasn't you know, a little as far bit as unnecessary the movie. to redo it all. I didn't think yeah. that, that was necessary, but I didn't. Yeah. And that was probably my biggest issue. But then, then with the uh, Tom Holland version, I'm like, this is like a child. <laughs> yeah, he's too kiddy. So, Get back to school. What are you doing? Yeah, Swinging around. So, Get your class. So young. And then uh, we went and saw um, Uncharted last night, which uh, he's in, and uh, Mark Wahlberg. Strange. And I'm like, I, I feel like Mark Wahlberg's had some like work done to his face because he's got. I've seen him in other stuff. Uh, like you know more recently and he's he's full on wrinkles and stuff and this movie like he had no wrinkles i don't know if he's filled with botox or something but tom holland had more wrinkles than him <laughs> oh, <I want> <laughs> and, and uh 
Tom Holland's like he's that's the age he is and like his persona in that film would have been much better for Spider-Man. So I think that any future films with him, they'll be he'll feel more like the role should have been, in my opinion. But who am I? I'm not a huge, huge uh, comic book movie fan per se, but um, I haven't seen them all or anything. But well, you still have your ten pence worth. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we'll always have opinions. Uh, so anyway, back to Nightmare Alley. Uh, thanks for that Green Goblin tangent there. It's okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so, so as far as like the differences in this film, because we start out, we start out seeing this movie with some with some backstory that we didn't get in the original. Mm. How did that? How did that make you feel? Because I have, I've got kind of. I have strong opinions about this movie, some good and some bad. So I'm, I'm super curious and like in hearing your opinions on, on how this movie plays out and why you liked it, opposed to just shoveling all of my negativity onto you. So tell, tell me how you, <laughs> how you felt about watching this film, comparing it to the original version. Well, I quite liked, I liked a little bit. Of the, I could have taken it or leaving it because it's quite a long film anyway. That's the only thing that, that like drags. But I liked at the end, should we do like a spoiler alert? Cause this is quite new. Sure. Before I open my trap and go at the end. Yeah. I mean, the book's a hundred years old and the original movie is like a okay. hundred years old. I <laughs> so I mean, right. <laughs> okay. Never mind. So when he's at the end and like, you see that he killed his dad. Well, let his dad die basically. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like that to make him more of a bastard overall. Because I didn't really care that he became the geek. I found it quite amusing. Right. And and that's sort and of I like... I sided with Kate Blanchett, if I'm honest. Well, I mean, she's just as bad, though. Like, I don't... That's, yeah, that's I know, my, she's so good, though. Yeah, but that's, that's sort of like my problem with this, with this film. Like, I feel like the script is terrible. I think it's a terrible script. And I haven't read the book, so maybe the book... Maybe it's really close to the source material. I do, from what I maybe understand... Maybe, maybe, I mean, as far as my opinion goes, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, as far as I go, um, if, if the book is in line with the film, um, it's not something that I think that I would, I would enjoy because like, I, I want to root for somebody and there's nobody in this film to really root for except for, um, you know, what is it? Rooney Mara's character. Is that? Oh, see, that I wasn't rooting for her. I could have done without her. I would really? take like, to stab him in the face. But why? She's just as evil. Like I don't understand. No, but I, I like Kate Blanchett, and if she was stabbing somebody in the face, there's got to be a reason for it. Okay, or so, she so you, style. so you have this problem with separating an actor from a role. You you yeah, act like the the actor is the role, and it's like, come on, like she's also in a million other movies, like. But she plays a conniving, evil person in this movie. Like, yeah, and you but really she does want her it to so win? Well, yeah, she does it so well. And plus, Bradley Cooper's character is so smarmy. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's, no, a, he's a smarmy and he thinks he's so good and clever. And he's not. I mean, he is, really. Cause well, he, he is, but he's not as <laughs> clever as Kate Blanchett's character, is he? Well, she nearly takes his ear off. So, nearly, though. Nearly. I mean, most of the years gone, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, I don't know. I feel like 
I, I just feel like there's nobody to really root for in this film. And that's, that's my biggest issue. And even the original one sort of had that kind of feeling as well, but not having those opening scenes with the backstory and things like that, I think helped, helped to sympathize with the lead character and especially the particular, uh, plot point that they, I'm not sure if it was closer to the book or not, or if this was a, a script choice in, in one film or the other, but in the original film, he accidentally gives him the alcohol. And in the new film, he purposely is trying to kill. Yes. Him. So, so that, that, those little nuances in the 47 film, um, gave me some leeway to like to to care about this dude and and to want to watch as where this film from the very beginning like i'm just like why do i want to watch this like i couldn't i couldn't find any reason to 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 care about anybody in the movie like it, it I, I just didn't i did not care and, and the only thing that kept me watching really was the cinematography was was pretty good um and even that wasn't fantastic um, cause there's plenty of like places where I feel like they could have done better, but the cinematography was pretty good. Um, and then there was, there's particularly the Kate Blanchett scenes in her office, which are extremely well shot and very noirish, mm-hmm. um, you know, that looked really beautiful, but, um, that was really the only thing they kept me like watching and that, and I love Del Toro. I think I, I love all of his movies. Um, and even when he had major you know, length issues with like King Kong. And that's really like two movies in one kind of thing. Um, I really enjoyed that film like a lot. I thought it was very well done as to where this film is just overtly long. And he didn't find a way to make the audience care, you know? So like you tell me like who, like why did you care about Kate Blanchett in this? Why'd you care about her character? Like what made you like side with her? What made you want just because like she was the less of two evils, because because yeah. Bradley <laughs> and you made me watch the film, so I have to get to the end. <laughs> so this wasn't this wasn't like you folding laundry like the last movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Well, I don't know. Well, and also, you know, I was what I was thinking. Bradley Cooper's not that bad in this. That took me by surprise as well. No, I don't think he's a bad actor. Do you, I mean, I just, I don't know. I find it quite I just, boring. I find that his roles are quite boring. He seems to play the same version of himself over and over again. I'm never, I can't, maybe I'm just not watching the right films. Um, I, I think he's okay. I like, I don't, I don't think he's like a standout actor or anything, but, um, yeah, take I mean, him or leave I, him. yeah, I just, I feel like I like, I like some of his movies because of the movie, not necessarily because of him, mm. you know, like, like, uh, uh, Midnight Meat Train. I don't know if you've seen that, um, but that's no. that's a pretty crazy, crazy movie that was I thought was pretty good. But again, he's nothing special in it, but it was a good movie. And even like uh, The Hangover or something like that, which is hilarious. It's not really hilarious because of him, though, you know? No, no. So I'm not, you know, I, I could. He's OK, <laughs> you know. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot better actors. Like they surrounded him with some really good actors. You know, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, uh, Willem Dafoe, um, Ron Perlman, Mary Steinberg. I mean, David 
uh, Stratherin is is like, I mean, if they were going to pick somebody to play, uh, I can't remember Stan or I can't remember the character's name, but um, if they were going to pick somebody to play that role, I mean, they really hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, he was he was perfect for, uh, you know, if if they were even if it was a remake or something like that, like he looked like the original actor or had the same sort of like style to him and everything. I thought that was perfect casting. Um, and obviously Ron Perlman works with Del Toro a lot. So that was, that was excellent casting as well. Um, and I mean, I just feel like there's certain characters like Ron Perlman's character. It, it, it just, there wasn't enough. Like I, they talk about them developing the script and like fleshing out characters more and that sort of thing. And I really don't think that they, they did that as well as they feel like they did, especially for a movie that's as long as it is. Yeah. Um, time, time is against it, isn't it? It really is. Time and there's is just some it. very unnecessary things, you know, in the film that just like bugs me, you know, the, the backstory with the, the father, like it, it doesn't matter because it doesn't really come into play. You know, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't do anything for the character. It doesn't do anything for the story. It's just sort of there. And so I don't, I don't see the purpose of that backstory. If it's in the book, I mean, okay, but it doesn't mean that it needed to be in the movie because I just personally just don't, it was, it was pointless. Um, cause we already hate the dude. I mean, if you're just going to set up the movie to like dislike this person, I mean, right away, I'm just like, why am I watching it? There's no redeeming qualities. And he never redeems himself throughout the entire fucking movie. You know? <laughs> no, yeah, he just gets more and more in a spiral, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's like, it's really like pointless to me, you know? I mean, this is our lead character. So we were supposed to be following. There's no, there's nothing there. Um, there's zero story arc for this man, um, in my opinion. And that's the whole point of watching films to me, like is a story arc. And, and there really isn't. Um, and I feel like that's where he sort of made that sort of miss as far as like doing a noir film. It's like he only focused on the negativity, only focused on the, the, the darkness. He only focused on the, the underground, you know, um, he only looked at the, the seedy aspects of noir and I'm not saying it needed to have a happy ending or anything. I'm not saying anything like that, but when you're following like a movie, like a noir film, like you care about the character because he's down and out because he wants something better. He wants, you know, he wants to strive for, to be a better person or something like that, but he's just sort of locked into this scenario or things are happening to him that are out of control. And this film is like everything he's doing is his fault. You know, every aspect is his own, his own doing. And it's just, I don't know. It got tiresome to me. Probably like my long winded speech here. <laughs> I'm really surprised. I thought that you would have really enjoyed it. I don't know why. I really Actually, thought I, I was going to as well. It. I was yeah. very excited to see this film. Um, and I had seen it before I saw the original. Um, and uh, I went to the theater on, on the Thursday opening night. Um, wow. And yeah, I was, re I was really excited to see it. Um, Cause I like Del Toro's work. I was excited. He's doing a noir film. Um, obviously we do this podcast. It was perfect. And I just, you know, he's a great director, but I think he's overly indulgent. 
You know, I just, I feel like, um, he just, he, he, sometimes he gets too close and can't step back and see the big picture. And I think that is sort of like what happens with the running length of the film. Um, I think that's what happens because some of the scenes are like great on their own, but when you look at it as like the whole picture, it's just, I, I feel like, um, he started out hours his, of my life have gone and I can't well, get them back. Well, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I was constantly like waiting for the, you know, redemption factor that's not happening and it just never, it never comes. And then you're just kind of feeling let down at the end of the movie. Um, and I just, when it, when you watch a film like that, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, do you just, mm. I mean, that's like, that's like sitting there and having a window into hell. Like, do you, are you going to sit there and watch that for two hours? Like, what would be the point? <laughs> you know, Like, <laughs> Hey, I think I want to make myself feel shitty today. Let me go open my window to hell and let's go look. and have a look through the portal. Shall we? Yeah. <laughs> it, and that's what it feels like. It, it, there is nothing, you know, I, and, and that, that really kind of bugged me uh, quite a bit, <laughs> apparently. I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you enjoyed it much more than the original. And mm-hmm. OK, so so you have like these these, uh, um, uh, I don't know, psychic scenes and whatnot, which I thought still had the same problem as the original. I still felt like they were a little overly long. I still felt like we only see, needed to see two of those tops. And end of story, moving on. Um, so there was a little bit more in there than needed to be, uh, but it was probably a little more concise than the original film. Um, you found, I found the office exchanges a little bit. They were the ones that sort of dragged out a little bit for me. Office exchanges, meaning... Yeah, like you know where Clay he was Blanc- talking to Kate Blanchett and mm-hmm. trying to convince her to come on board. And then mm-hmm. they were a little bit... Except the last one, which was fantastic when she tried to blow his face off. That was, that was great. <laughs> but the other ones were a little bit, you know, with the back and forth. There was a little bit too much back and forth. Yeah. But I preferred the psychic sort of showman scenes. Yeah. So I, I felt, I felt kind of the same with the psychic scenes. Like I didn't, I didn't think that they were really any better or any mm. worse. You know, I was kind of indifferent about it. Um, you know, that the, it really kind of just felt like the same, same stuff, you know, um, the, the dialogue just didn't really like, I, I don't know. Like I, the problem I had with the original was like when they're, the whole code is based on dialogue and being able to understand what the objects are based on what the person says to him. And I just felt like it had the same issues as the original. Like it, the concept is smarter than the mechanics of what they did in the script to make it seem smart. If that makes sense. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You know, like they, they, they should have spent a little more time on the, on the, the dialogue mechanics to make that feel like it was something real. Um, but what do I know? I'm not, a, I'm not a psychic magician, charlatan. Con man, murderer. Right. Well, I might be there. No. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I was just kind of indifferent with those. They still have the same sort of issues for me. Um, I, I feel like, um, I, I feel like, you know, Rooney Mara's character in this movie might have, um, been a lot smarter and, and 
left a lot sooner mm. and would have seen this sort of coming from a mile away kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it's, again, I think, I really think the length of the movie is, is a big downfall, which ultimately comes to the script. The script, in my opinion, is, was not a great script. And that's, that's really I like where that I her think. character was a little bit more forceful. She's a little bit yeah. more forceful, but only in like one scene. Yeah, she, she her character was stronger. I, I do I do agree with you on that. And until of course, like the whole ghost scene. Again, yeah. I had the same problem with the ghost scene as I do the original. It was just kind of I don't know. Like to be a big like sort of I don't know, I wouldn't even call it a plot twist really, but it's just sort of like it's a it's a plot twist for the characters, but I don't know. I think the audience can see that kind of crap coming a mile away. But um it just I don't know. <laughs> it always just kind of flat for me, I guess. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, with great performances, great cinematography, the music was good. Um, everything else about the film I thought was, was pretty solid, but I think the script was really a downfall. It's length, um, just overindulgent, um, from the director, uh, really sort of, you know, made it unspecial to me, you know? Like a, maybe I just I wanted it to be more than it was. Maybe you were looking so forward to it that it was just never going to match. Yeah, maybe that could be it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I think I think it. I I think my biggest issues really is that um, the way it's set up, it's like you see this backstory, right? Which it ultimately becomes unnecessary to me, anyway. I don't think it was necessary at all. And then like, like stupid little scenes, like the Tony Collette, like hand job in the tub thing. That's just like, yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah. I just like stuff like that. I was just like, that was so unnecessary. Like I just, I don't know. It just, just felt so out of place. And that didn't even seem like normal for like Del Toro to do. Like, I don't know. I just don't understand why that's in there. Like, I, I okay. He's setting up, this relationship and, you know, and I guess doing it quickly, but I mean, it just could have been done a hundred ways and he picked probably the, yeah, but then like not a lot was really made out of that anyway. No, no. And that's, that's part of the, like, I don't know. Because it was, it was the husband that that he was actually like, not her. Right. Right. So that didn't didn't really need to work like that because they could have just been, he's taking a shine to him like a bit of a father son. That would have worked exactly the same way. Yeah, there would have been no different. The only difference would have been like she's not having a lover kind of thing. She's not cheating on her husband or, you know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's probably a storyline from the book and kind of ties all that love triangle sort of thing and up in a nice little bow. And I, I get that, but just that, that scene was just like, I don't know, unnecessary. And it's not like it was an erotic thriller. It's not like they really did anything more like that in the rest of the film. So it just feels so out of place. Once you get to the end of the movie, you're just like, you know, that one scene that was just like, why was that even there? Kind of thing. You know, because there's nothing else in them. You know, if it's like if you're watching a movie where there's like several scenes like that, then, you know, the director is kind of OK. They're making kind of a, you know, a film of that kind of style. Right. Um, 
and it becomes that part was of a the very story. Gentle euphemism, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it's like, but that's that's the thing. Like, it would be in yeah. there more otherwise, and it's like, well, why is it even? Because it's not even shocking. It's not even like a, a shock value scene. It's not like you see anything, but it's just like a weird sort of out of place moment. <laughs> just and, and I just felt like there's a lot of that in this script. You know, I, I I feel like I feel like if there was an hour and a half version of this movie, I'd probably really love it. You know. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, 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 but I just, even when they re-released it like in black and white, I'm like, that is not enough to get me to watch it again. Like I, I really like that would get me to watch Logan again, which I haven't seen the black and white version, but I, I, really, I wouldn't watch this again just because it's in black and white. That's just silly. Like it, the cinematography was good as it is. The coloring and all that kind of stuff looked great. It doesn't need to like feel any more noir to me. Like they nailed the noir look and the feel of it without it being in black and white. Um, but I don't think they nailed the story or the script or the characters. There's no arcs. There's nothing like, like it just doesn't, you know, everybody's the same from the beginning to the end in this movie. Yeah. There's you not know? really a lot of character development, is there? Mm-mm, not at all. Except in like the last five minutes. Well, even that I don't think is really character development because I mean, it's like, what what's the line? He says, I was born for this. Yeah, the line's different, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the I just, yeah, well, I can't remember the original was like, I was made for this or something like that. Or mm. they, they changed it for a reason. And, and from what I, I remember reading, neither of those lines is in the actual book, but they're oh. both fitting. And they both make sense. And I, 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 I get why it's there, but changing it, I don't think mattered as much as they sort of play it out to be like, I just don't, it's, to me, it's a negative, like even to, to have that because it's just, again, there's just no story arc, you know, he's the same person he was at the beginning as he is at the end. And he's just sort of succumbing to his fate which isn't really an arc. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so I don't know. So, you know, ah, I feel like I'm just slamming the shit out of this movie, but. Yeah, but it's interesting because I really, really thought that you were going to like it. Like genuinely I, thought you were going to like it. Yeah. And I guess so did I, you know, and you know what I thought was interesting is that, uh, cause we were talking about, um, Bradley Cooper. Uh, did you catch who was originally supposed to play his character? Did you come across no. that? No. Oh, so it was originally um, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play that character. Oh, God. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I was pretty indifferent to, to both of... Because I, I never liked DiCaprio. The only thing I really liked him in was uh, Shutter Island, which I, I really... I, I love that film. Um, but uh, I like him in Inception, but that's just because anybody could have done that because it was a good idea. It was a good film. I don't think it relied a lot on him. No, I think those scenes that he's in with the with his wife and, you know, I think that those are really great scenes. I think he does a good job. I'm not saying he's like a bad actor, but for for years and years and years, it was sort of the same as Tom Holland. Like he just seemed too young for the roles he was in. You know, and now he's a little older. He's still, you know, he still looks, he looks like a young kid with wrinkles now. <laughs> <laughs> you are just wrinkling everybody, aren't you? I'm Everybody's you, on right? your wrinkle list. That's right. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just never, I don't know. I just, I just never really liked him, you know? Um, 
But anyway, uh, yeah, so he was originally supposed to play uh, play uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, role. Um, but then, the, you know, they I guess they switched gears. Del Toro met with uh, Bradley Cooper and um, ended up uh, really clicking with him because Cooper had also directed films. And so they shared this sort of like um, commonality and just got along better. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but you know, um, another, uh, I guess I, I feel like I'm probably not the only one who feels the way that I do about this movie. I, first off, you know, neo-noirs are a shot in the dark, whether they're going to do well at the theater. Um, mm-hmm. noirs very, you know, in this day, even for the past, like, you know, 30 years have not typically done well in the theater. Um, but then they're generally become like cult classics after the fact it's like nobody wants to pay money to go see them in the theater, but then they end up loving them when they eventually see them. Right. And this film really is no different. It did really poorly at the, at the theater. Um, it only made about half of its budget back. Um, wow. It, yeah. It's a $60 million movie, which, you know, by today's standards, that seems very low uh, for the look of the movie. Like they did a great job as far as, making it look expensive. Um, you know, again, the cinematography, the production design, all that stuff is really great. Um, and for a $60 million film, that's like something you would, you know, that's like a horror film, you know, by today's standards, you know, that's kind of low on the low budget side. Um, and to only make back half of that $33 million worldwide is terrible. Um, but you know, it's uh, been nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which I absolutely disagree with. But um, yeah, I just uh, I don't think there's any way in hell that there should be a Best Picture nomination nominated film. But whatever. Can you I'm imagine happy for if them. Like, you ever like got put in charge of anything to do with the Academy Awards? You'd be like, right, do you know what? We're not starting with this year. What we're actually going to do is I'm going to take you back to 1995. And we're going to correct our mistakes from there. So everybody get a pen, everybody get a piece of paper, and everybody get like making some new statues because people are going to be giving shit back. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, they've made a lot of mistakes as far as that goes. But I mean, I think I'm pretty sure it's just a money machine. I'm pretty sure. It'd be like a hostage-like video where there'd be like, there'd be directors there like tied to a chair and you're just telling them what to say. No, say that you're really, really sorry <laughs> for robbing <laughs> LA Confidential. You don't look right. sorry, James Cameron. I want tears. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a film that got robbed. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? <laughs> oh, that you don't get put in charge of anything in about five years. You know, one thing that I I read that was pretty interesting, and I got to give Del Toro credit for this because he had the foresight to to care enough about the cast and crew and the film um, to do this. So they started um, production at the beginning of 2020, and they were, I think, in maybe February, right? And as we all know, the world shut down uh, mid March. Mm-hmm. So a movie like this probably took, I don't know, six months or so to shoot. I'm just guessing. Um, but Del Toro said this. He said, we stopped the shoot a week before the industry shut down. And that saved us. 
Nobody, to my knowledge, in the Caster crew got coronavirus. And then Del Toro later uh, uh, reflected that uh, stopping was not mandatory back then, but we both felt if we don't stop now and someone gets sick, um, we got to stop. Nobody was expecting it. Everybody went to lunch and came back six months later. Wow. And yeah. And then um, Walt Disney Studios, who's the parent company for Searchlight, who was financing the movie, uh, didn't halt uh, production for another, like, I don't know, a month and a half after they, or actually, I think they said it was like two weeks um, later that things started shutting down but i i think it was i think it was a little bit longer before um uh the film industry really kind of shut down um and i'm not sure why but i i seem to remember it was like it was like a week or so after uh everything else kind of shut down or whatever it was about like three weeks or so um, i think i said a month and a half but it wasn't that long wow but i think that was really really kind of cool that that he did that and started hearing about this and because i mean I, that could be devastating i mean people are dying and i know that they have you know insurance writers and actors in case of they they die um but that that tells me that this was less about uh money and finances and he's really cared about his cast and crew um, and I think that's, that's pretty cool. Why everybody else is like, nice, no, we got to get this finished. We got to get this finished before anything bad happens. He's like, whoa, 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 we'll pick it back up when it's safe kind of thing. Yeah. So that's very respectful. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, even if he hmm, did fail. I agree. The movie to me. <laughs> even if the movie's crap, the thought was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that there's uh, a polarizing sort of, commentary out there about this movie there's there's a camp that really likes it and a camp that really dislikes it i don't think there's i think it's one of those films where there's really not too much in between um so i i I don't know people at home you're gonna have to let us know what you think about this compared to the 1947 film and compared to the book if you've seen it before um or seen it before if you've read the book before (laughs) because um, neither of us have read the book no I don't blame you <laughs> I see books I see books books everywhere I don't read them I see them <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> um, now we hear them because we got audiobooks which is crazy but um, yeah I really got into audiobooks for a while anyway tangent <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like the goblin all over again <laughs> I, I feel like we probably talked 20 minutes about Marvel and 20 minutes about this film. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Carly, uh, let's, let's give a rating. I'm, I'm curious what you're going to give this one. I believe you gave the 47 film a five. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. A five or a maybe, six. I think. Yeah. And I think I was only like one above you. If I recall, I can't remember. We'd have to go back and, and listen to our own voices, which neither of us will do, I'm sure. No. Um, <laughs> and yet we expect our audience to listen to our bullshit. Oh. How grating Sorry, is it? Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's your rating on this film? Um, do you know what? Seven. Shit, I almost spit my coffee out. Really? Seven. I mean, calm down. All right. Yeah. Seven. Because I liked it. I wouldn't watch it again, really, I don't think. I wouldn't go out my way to watch it again. And you wouldn't but watch the 47 version either, right? 
No, but I didn't dislike it and I didn't find it as mind-numbingly boring mm. in comparison. Because I watched one, I think I watched one after the other oh, as okay. well. So it's like four hours that I lost. <laughs> On movies you didn't really like. Well, I mean, a seven is like, I mean, that says you liked it. Yeah, I liked it better than the original one. I would say like maybe a six is I liked it, but wouldn't watch it again. And a seven is like, I liked it and I would probably watch it again. Well, you know, no, because 10 is like Sharknado when we all know how this argument ends when I give things 10 out of 10s. I'm actually being more stricter on my 10 out of 10s now. Yeah, the higher rating you give it, the worse the movie is. (laughs) Now now that we've gone to a weekly show, I'm not going to throw out as many 10s. So if it's 10, it's like, whoa. <laughs> That's no Sharknado. <laughs> that is the standard. That's the gold standard they live by. Well, you know, it's not Titanic 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sunk. <laughs> <laughs> it bloody did, man. It blew up, actually, I think. Apparently twice. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, I I'm gonna give this movie a four. Oh, wow, you, that's really low. Yeah, I because I would not watch it again, and if I did watch it again, I'd probably watch it on mute and skip just to watch for some of the cinematography. Um, <laughs> you can I, watch I, if I make it a silent film, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know, I used to do that in film school. You know, that's how you would study certain things: is you'd watch a movie on mute so that you could pay attention to the visuals. Um, oh, okay. You know, for for like cinematography classes or production design classes, things like that. Um, it helps out a lot, and I think that it's fantastic in terms of the cinematography and the production design. Um, there's a lot of cr- fantastic lighting in the film. Um, and, and just art deco and, um, just details in the, in the movie that I just think are just really great. Um, and that, that's each one of those things I give it a star for, but, or, I mean, a, a, a bottle of gin for, and I'll never get wrap my head around the, the gin versus stars, but, <laughs> um, oh, like. I know I'm terrible. Uh, but, uh, I, where I think it absolutely fails is I think it fails with the script firstly. Um, I think this, it's just overly long. I think that they did not do a, a great job at any sort of character arcs or even tried. And I think that was part of the thing. I think that's, that's really a, a basis for it. I don't think that they wanted to do that. And I just, I feel like it needed, it needed it. It needed somebody to root for something to root for. And it's just not there. Like we, we don't care about anybody in this, in this movie. Um, and it just, you know, it, it's not, it's not that because the movie was too dark, you know, darkness is fine, but you got to have something to care about, you know, when you're watching something like that, especially something as long as this film is, Uh, you know, otherwise, like I said, it's just like opening a window to hell and staring at it for two and a half hours. Who wants to do, you know, that's pulling fingernails. Staring at it for two and a half hours. Yeah. It's, it's not fun. Like there's no fun in that. So you got to find, you got to find the pleasure in it. And the pleasure comes from the cinematography and production design, honestly. Um, and that's, that's, that's it. I'll, I will probably never watch this film again. And that's probably the only Del Toro film that I'll never watch again. Um, 
But I mean, you know, that's not, he, he had to get it out of system. He's wanted to make a noir film. He, he made it, um, and a $60 million film at that, um, that's getting critical acclaim and, you know, nominated for Oscars and things like that. So what the fuck does my opinion matter? <laughs> you know? That's, that's probably what he thinks as he listens to our podcast and cries into his soup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Dark City, 10 gens, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley, uh, four gens. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> that's it. <clears throat> so um, we hope that you guys at home enjoy this more than I did. We hope you enjoy it more than Carly did because even though she rated it higher, she wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't watch it again. Um, I did prefer the original over it. I felt like there at least was a glimmer of hope in that film. There was something to, to, you know, to relate to in that film. There's nothing really to relate to in, in Del Toro's film other than greed, um, you know, and power, I guess, which are kind of one and the same. Um, and that's unfortunate to me. Um, but maybe you guys will feel differently. Maybe you can, uh, let us know what you think and, you know, open our eyes as to why this is a good film or a better film than at least I think it is. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, enjoy your, uh, um, something sinister, slimy goo while you watch a really slimy schmarmy bradley cooper in nightmare alley he is slimy goo isn't he really yeah yeah he is he really is so i I really think i picked the perfect drink for that because he is he is slimy gooey sinister he's just a bad person you know a gooey bad person yeah (laughs) all right guys until next time bye-bye he's looking at you kid Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.